0: Do you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery.
1: Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. This is getting a little weird to have uh, no consultation before the backdrop and still we're twice in a row kind of similar.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we, we got the same mindset, you know, it's the, the weather outside. The weather's beautiful, you know, so I love this weather. Fall and spring are great with fall being a little better for me. You know, I just absolutely love it. But the the one thing I hate about this time of year is you never know what's going to happen you know yeah i wake up this morning at 66 okay i put on a shirt and jeans and that this afternoon i go outside i'm going to work in the yard oh it's 75 80 degrees now i got changed into shorts and stuff and then it cools down for dinner at evening i go back out i'm like oh my gosh it's chilly the sun's down and I, why why where's apple working on this for the watch i want to be able to hit my watch and my clothes adjust to okay now it's warmer clothes and bloop, 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 now it's cooler what's wrong with apple why haven't they done that yet
1: <laughs> you know that's in version 16 you know oh yeah so we're only back. on version uh, 2727 <laughs> right now right <laughs> we're going to move up to uh, unstable molecules like the fantastic 40s to have with their uniforms and you can just like you know hey i think i'll have shorts and then things kind of redistribute themselves on your body so exactly i've seen it in the movies so it must exist right (laughs) i think so so it actually i i'm also i love the fall because i love the colors i really love the changing leaves and stuff like that and and colleen for instance we're going to be going up to toronto for our just for laughs festival but while we're there we're like man we i don't want to just be in the city so at least one day we're going to take a break from comedy and head up north towards tobermory and uh, georgian bay and and that there's a beautiful a bunch of hiking a bunch of just getting uh, toronto you have to do a little bit of driving to get outside of the city because it's really a megalopolis and yet once you get up there like leaves are changing more uh, earlier in the year than they are here so at one point with we went on a, a wonderful getaway week with a bunch of friends to a uh a chalet that we rented in quebec city outside of quebec city the chalet des Bois wronged And the most beautiful leaves we've ever seen, and it's kind of funny, a lot of it was eating together, gaming together, that kind of stuff. But I was determined while I'm up there, like they have provincial parks or national parks just like we do. So we went to Algonquin and a bunch of other places and the most beautiful leaves we've ever seen, like everywhere you look, you 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 go, there's a bridge across this river and you go out to the bridge and it's just like being surrounded by this bowl of tricks, these incredible bold colors and stuff like that. What we also discovered was that Canadians, maybe Europeans also are hardier than the United States. You know, we went to the the Ranger desk At various different lodges where you first go in, they were the welcoming center and said, so, hey, we're looking for like a good two to four hour hike, you know, easy going to medium. And he said, well, this is kind of an easy one. And it turned out to be one where it was like using chains to climb along rocky faces of stuff and everything like that. And there really was elevation gain and loss. And there were places like they have. The plate, the the trails relatively well marked with flashes on the trees and stuff, but there were a couple places where maybe because we went on ones that weren't as popular, I would have thought late in the season they would have been tromped down a lot. We had places where just you're walking on something that's maybe like this wide, you know what I mean? And, and just it was wow, they earned their pea meal bacon and their you know maple syrup up here because we really worked. And also, I know I'm going on too long. I was getting a little bit sick. And it's amazing how when you're getting sick, your energy reserves of your body are being kind of dedicated to fighting off the sniffles that you're getting and stuff like that, instead of, to, you know, kind of singing your marching songs and stuff. And I just was continually falling behind. And I don't do that. I usually am really hardy when I go walking. And, and I so I have these wonderful memories of how beautiful it was. But every other part of that trip was like, man, I'm, I'm falling behind here. And in fact, we had intended after this thing to then go to Montreal for a couple of days, just Colleen and I, and get to know the city and stuff like that. And we got to the outskirts of Montreal. And honestly, we're like, I kind of like looked up at Colleen at lunch. And I said, I really need to like crash. I need to go home. I am so, it was beyond snotty at that point. I really was flu-y. And we went to a little Canadian dispensary, not, not, that that dispensary has a very particular name nowadays but like you know whatever it is where you can get canadian drugs found something that was like i think this is flu relief theraflu type stuff up in quebec everything is labeled both american and and french american english and french (laughs) yeah exactly but like i we drove from there like 10 hours, 12 hours to get home just because I didn't want to sleep in a hotel room. I didn't want to be, Colleen is bursting with energy and ready to go do things. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. So (laughs) it, it, I have, I really, it's kind of funny, you know, how your mind does memory things. I have such fond memories of that trip, but I was in crappy shape for like two thirds of it. And I just remember the wonderful bright spots and kind of, you push those other things until I talk about it now. You push them out of your mind, you know?
0: That's how me and the kids are with our Disney trip. Uh, There was actually a typhoon traveling across the state and it rained every day, uh, but we don't even remember that. You know, there's, uh, I remember more than they do. They were 10 and 12. (laughs) And and the hiking, one of my favorite hiking memories was down in the blue Ridge somewhere in West Virginia where we're hiking along this trail, our backpacks on this was scouts. So we were traveling camp to camp. And there was a spot, where the rhododendron was grown so heavy and lush they had to cut a path through it so it was like a tunnel of rhododendron all around us and that was really
1: cool yeah in fact exactly uh, we've been hiking a number of times down in smoky mountain great smoky mountain national park and, and the same blue Ridge parkway and along there and they have what they call balls it's the Their mountains are not that tall, so you get to the top, and it's kind of just a rounded surface, but, and it's not, I think it's above the tree line, but not above the rhododendron line, and so (laughs) you get there, and like you said, here's the trail, and you're like having to work your way through a maze, you know what I mean, they don't maintain it, they don't, they, they had cut a a nice tunnel for you i remember going up there like man i i I, you get to where it's like you can't even see the sky so you can't orient as to where the sun is you kind of can because there's more sunlight coming from one direction or the other it's like you know i hope we head down off the mountain the correct way here because it was so (laughs) easy to get turned around in this yeah yeah
0: people don't realize even you know the there's not as many now but even hiking with trails and marks and stuff it, it, it is easy sometimes if you're not used to the woods you get turned around and then kind of freak out and you know that doesn't help and yeah. and we always learn wilderness survival which in certain circumstances is good but really most of these uh, common paths that people take in the national parks you're not going to be lost for four or five days with somebody right. ser- dogs and helicopters searching for you exactly. you're literally probably a hundred <laughs> feet away from some other trail or people at almost all times you that's know? right
1: we we have Colleen and I go hiking we like going on like big long you know all day from eight in the morning till six at night and and so we have our maps and nowadays as you said not only um, the way that trails are set up and well marked but with the gps and everything you usually can kind of keep track of where you where we are having said that like early days where you could get maybe you get signal but the gps couldn't reach everywhere because they didn't have it we went to harney peak which is the highest peak in between the rockies and the pyrenees over in europe nothing in the Appalachians, or the adirondacks the, the, or none of that matches so we're all the way up there and we had a good trail guide that kind of says you know in three quarters of a mile you'll see the three sisters and we got where we took a bad fork on the trail and continued to have that looks like the three sisters that looks like the beehives that looks like you know uh, the old man of the mountain and then we realized when we got to like the edge of i think it was the black hawk or blackfoot national preserve or something like that it's like wow this is way a field from where we should be And I think I might've mentioned this little story before I was foolish in that I had, I have my usual sunscreen shirt. You know, I have a a thing that has SPF built into it, but underneath that, I had a, like a cotton, maybe even a polo shirt or something like that. Well, what's the the trail saying? Cotton is rotten and should best be forgotten because it doesn't wick moisture away from your skin. Like wool does, it keeps it right on there. And if you have too much surface area with water, it wicks away your heat. And I got, hypothermia for the first time in my life i had never gotten it before so i could tell i was kind of getting goofy i was repeating myself i was um like i'd read the trail guide and do this thing and then colleen had to kind of take over and so there i i I still had my animal strength i kept going no matter what but she i was kind of an automaton and she just kept you know we we discussed and found a way to go through this wilderness to where we got to a road and classically we had gone too wrong too far so that now night was falling and you don't want to be in the woods at night you know it's not quite x files where they really made the woods to be a spooky (laughs) place and stuff like that i'm not expecting you know werewolves or aliens or anything like that and nonetheless even though in our backpack we've got water we've got the little um blankets the the foil blankets that really retain your body heat and yet we don't want to huddle and hope that etc etc so when we got to a certain place and saw, heard the, the sound of cars, and it's like, well, all we have to do is get to a road, and then we can, you know, thumb it and say, have mercy on us. We're bedraggled but we broke out of the forest.
0: Yeah, because everybody stops for the six and a half foot tall linebacker.
1: Well, <laughs> and, 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 and luck, luckily, I have uh, Colleen as my uh, ameliorating factor, you know what I mean? I don't <laughs> think they think that she's my captive please take us in the car. and instead... <laughs> So we actually, we got out of this road and there was light in the distance. So we got to where there was a, like an outfitter store, if you will, but it was closed for the day. And so like, I'm I'm planning on, you know, we could stay in the bathrooms. No, it's all concrete. That'll take your heat away again. You know, if I have to, I'm going to pick up that trash can and crash through that glass and we're going inside and getting a sleeping bag and I'll pay for the damages. (laughs) Luckily at this place, they had enough, Wi Fi and signal that we were able to call the park ranger, and he came and got us. And it took him 45 minutes to get to our car. That's how wrong we had gone, literally almost opposite direction. And you know, those kind of hiking roads they're not straight, you kind of got to wind and follow the tours of the mountain. But man, we got back to the room after being saved and getting to our car and stuff like that. And I had like grapes and triscuits to replace liquids and to just have. Uh, the, the, I, I never felt so happy to be in a room with a lock on the door and a bed to sleep on the prospects two hours ago had been i'm going to be sleeping on like uh maybe we'll find a place where a deer had slept and they had tamped down the grass for us but otherwise
0: right. well you know that that the, the whole 45 minutes and you know what people also need to realize they they try to keep these parks and stuff pretty untouched with as much as possible so there aren't roads through the middle of a lot of this so you might have driven 12 15 miles around or 20 In miles or, or, but That's you right. were really yeah. only like a mile and a half straight on it's just trying to get through the woods it's a mile and a half as the crow flies but up and down right. trails and around mountains it could have been five six miles yeah. Uh, but, but
1: actually, what I what I did do is, of course, the next day I pulled out, we have topo maps, we always prepare ourselves. And then I looked at, well, here's where our car was parked. And, you know, as you do this, here's where our car was parked. And here's where we went into Hardy Peak. And then over here, like I said, probably, you know, if not 180 degrees, let's go 130. Wrong. The fact that there were those features, the fact that it was a good trail, you know, it, it, sometimes when you go on a trail and then it like disappears into nothing, it's like, well, this ain't the right way. And you just back out and go. So it's it just now it's a good story. But at the time, it was we had never gotten more turned around than that. We had never gotten more like, well, we're running out of time. We got we were walking along and we all of a sudden lots of eyes. And we're like oh please don't be a wolf pack it was instead a herd of deer but i guess they're deep enough in this wilderness preserve that they don't they're not used to people they don't care about people right so we didn't get our way through them but we walked within five yards of them with them just the two bucks watching us and the rest of them contentedly munching on grass and stuff like that <laughs> so, and the reflective eyes in the dark were like this is a little spooky even i know these guys are just like little herbivore friendly things you know
0: right so <laughs> to 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 Something, actually, you mentioned wolves, and it's kind of funny, because I'm going to be doing a talk on uh, wolves in fiction, myth versus reality. Uh, because I've got Hunter, I've been pushing the wolf with my writers and stuff and talking to the kids about it. I'm like, well, let's do a whole talk about it, because a lot of our feelings and misconceptions about wolves is because of what's been in fiction, the big bad wolf and, you know, from there. But there's plenty of examples also of good wolves, but there's not a lot of wolf examples in fiction. I mean, not like, you know, stuff like that. But in general, in the reality of it, even if there were wolves, they probably would have left you alone. You're, you're not
1: something they're going to mess I'm with. Right there. In fact, this is long ago, probably junior high. I read, a, so one of the things, without even going into like the, the scary story nature of werewolves, and, and, and you know, the kind well, of werewolves like, are
0: different. Yeah, werewolves like, <laughs>
1: will eat you. They'll bite your face off.
0: Yeah. Because and, <laughs> and,
1: and, and, and they're people, so they have all the evils of people. Right, exactly. World. So after having thought, you know, knowing that wolves were often- the reason that they got removed from various different national parks or near supposed civilization is because they were like, well, those wolves are stealing all my sheep. They're they're right. preying on my herds of things. And then I read a good book called never cry wolf by and to yes. this day, I Remember a guy named Farley Moat, you know, kind of a memorable name. And he did lots of studies of like living near the wolves. And they even made a movie out of this where it shows him like marking his territory with his urine. So the wolves would be know he was there and it wouldn't. And by studying their scat, you know, there's wolf dudes everywhere they're not eating big creatures they're eating field mice and so it's like the, and, and then you see now on nature documentaries where they show wolves foxes coyotes that they do that little hunting in the snow where they listen under the snow and then they jump up and go down and get them and that's really what they do is they're they actually keep the vermin levels down not the i'm gonna go steal your cows and sheep and goats yeah. you know what i mean and, so i've got a nice spot in my heart for wolves ever since so going these guys are, even though they're the apex predator they're not menacing moose. They're not clearing. They, out they a- will. No.
0: They'll attack a moose <laughs> right. if they need to, but they're. That's not their first choice because right. the, it is a dangerous hunt for them. But we we have screwed up nature so badly so often on our understanding out in the Grand Canyon area, Yellowstone, and all that they killed off all the wolves because of that reason. Oh, and then they found out that all the rats and all that stuff like got huge. It's like, Oh my gosh, what do we do? Well, let's bring wolves back in. Well, then they went the other way too bad and they had too many wolves and they killed off all of that and unbalanced things again. And then the wolves had nothing to eat. So yeah, now they are getting your sheep and stuff. So people, I, I'm, you know, as in general, we're stupid, we're really stupid, but we, we, we hate admitting our mistakes. And right. we, you know, Royal
1: has a very similar story where they like brought in the predators and then and then got rid of them. And then they had too many of the prey and just that, you know, then they're eating everything in sight because when you have too many deer, they really will eat things down to the ground, all that kind of stuff. I, I, it's kind of funny. We tend to look for quotes, silver bullet solutions, where it's like, what's the one big thing that we can do instead of, well, nature has reached its balance. You know what I mean? There really are. They, they actually do studies and they say the ratio is like 70 to 30 or whatever else it might be for how many prey animals you need for how many predators. And it all works out. And what, what do the predators kill off? not the pride of the herd they kill off the weak and the slow and the the worst of the young and stuff like that so all those things they talk about for survival of the fittest it really happens in nature if you let it you know what i mean they don't want to work hard they'd rather bring down the lame wildebeest <laughs> than right. than the you know the, the the toughest of the cape buffalo who are going to like gore them and put their life at risk and stuff so Kali right. and i we, we just discovered a good series on the national parks we really love watching nature documentaries because they're they the good ones are much about here's what we know. It's not anthropomorphizing them to where they give them human characteristics. And this one's brave, and this one's, you know, they never say the cowardly anything. It's they just this last last one was about the Badlands and how there's prairie dog towns and the you know the balance between. The buffaloes dropping their droppings everywhere are kind of like the elephants in Africa. They enable all kinds of stuff because that's such a good fertilizer and it carries seeds in it. So they get carried further than the wind or um, natural mm-hmm. other natural forces would take them. And then the prairie dogs use it to like uh, build their dens. And they actually like the smell of the dung is enough so that it guards them because it's an overpowering smell and other predators can't smell past the poop that they're using as a as, as a, a right. subterfuge you know what i mean and they talked and, and all the way up and down dung beetles and here's the owls the burrow owl it just was they were really good about showing there isn't a hero animal there isn't a villain animal you know what i mean right. like the lion king might have you believe that all these things matter and that even you know, like the snake the, the swifts build their beautiful nests up on a cliff face a big rain comes and takes it all down. So what do they do? Go build underneath on an, an overpass. And sometimes man builds things that animals take advantage of. You know, when we started to lose eagles and falcons and stuff like that, they started to nest on the sides of buildings in our cities. And how cool that whatever the, whatever they do to, to still be able to find things to hunt, hopefully not little Fifi the poodle, but cities are loaded with rats and, and uh, yeah. gophers, vermin, whatever else might yeah. be around. I love that. <laughs>
0: but at the RG a couple weeks ago, we had the zoo come in and somebody was talking about a project they did up there in Cleveland that they had a problem with uh, seagulls in the, the city and the rats and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. what do they do to get rid of it? Well, they got some mating uh, falcons and put them on different buildings, the companies, the building companies, these, they had sponsors to help pay for putting these nests in and everything they needed for that. And right. now it's grown, it's you know tripled, quadrupled, something like that. But just as simple as putting in some birds, a little bit of money, instead of a big trying to kill off all the rats and stuff, and the birds take care of it, and people understand that and are more proud now. And I love those type of stories because it makes sense, and it's a great solution, rather than everybody's initial solution. Well, what chemicals can we throw down that'll kill
1: everything, you know? Right. You know what? It's, it's kind of funny. The What came to mind just now was we often do that, that we overreact or that we we don't get that there's a balance or things like that there's a sesame street sketch from way back where bert and ernie are sitting around and there's like a drip from the faucet and bert goes to ernie hey could you take care of that and instead of going and turning off the faucet he goes and like turns on the radio to drown it out (laughs) and it's like well well now they're you know that music a little bit too loud could you take care of that and instead of turning off the radio he goes and turns on a blender and there's this escalating series of things and it really captures like the episode is loud and that finally finally, like bird is yelling you know "Ah, stop it! and when he turns those things off kind of backwards in succession it's kind of like what we've had to do when we reintroduce animals they they had they had a great scene in this this national parks one where they talked about for the badlands that you know way back when buffalo bill and all the buffalo hunters they were, there were millions in herds of bison and and that they had pretty much killed them off, made them extinct. And that they introduced back in 63, you know, so going on 60 years now, like four, four bison into the Badlands. And so that while they're talking about this, they're coming over a rise and they come over the rise and now there's a wonderful prairie full of bison. And it's not millions, it's thousands, maybe 10,000 or something like that. But it was still, if, if you let them alone, if you understand well enough what nature does to find balance and a lot of i don't know i like where we learn things because we don't, I don't you don't have to do an autopsy on an animal to understand how it works they tag them they track them they yeah. find out what the, the range of their ranges and stuff like that and when they when they come to here's some birds like where do we see let's see not the owls maybe it's the the cliff swallows they don't come from like the next state down. They come from Mexico. There's another kind of bird that comes all the way from South America. And if we don't have that habitat for them, the right combination of water and trees to roost in, or cliffs to roost in, and stuff like that, we, we've had they've had die offs in a year where we've done habitat destruction. And and like like after you've seen those guys return every year for a hundred years, don't you get the clue that maybe if you you really could put a big kink In in the hose of them ever coming back, if you destroy, you fill in the swamp where they usually nest or something like that. And yet they have cautionary tales about that. You know, we killed off all the passenger pigeons. We put in, and and sometimes invasive species, like right now, right down in the Everglades, they have problems with snakes that people got as pets and then like let them out in the swamp. Hey, you'll have a happy life here. Well, not if they then eat all the eggs of all the other things that live in the swamp and get to be 20 feet long instead of three and all that kind of stuff. Oh, well, it... You you, you (laughs) use the word
0: progress, but Mm -hmm. in this context, the definition of progress is some big Guy in a corporation that wants to make money, so we need to fill in this swamp to build this shopping mall because that's progress. No, it's it's money for you. <laughs> we have. That's right. I, I don't understand why we have to keep building new this that and the other thing when we have abandoned this and open space that was a building here. I I don't get why that. I, maybe that's why I'm not a multi million dollar you know, real estate mogul.
1: Right, because your progress is not linear and it's what I want. <laughs> right. It's, the example that we just both named, I know that maybe like 30 years ago now, they did a big study of, you know, we've got a certain amount of environmental pollution. And we can put scrubbers on our coal plants. We can all the different kinds of things that were big solutions. But what they also discovered was, you know, it really works well, wetlands that they take environmental pollution out of it and kind of lock it into and, and bring it into the ground and that you don't have polluted waters and dangerous to swim in stuff and everything like that. And we have been consistently, oh, I don't like those cattails. They they uh, look funny. They smell, it smells like a swamp around here. Now they've got all of the good rules that say, if you're gonna build a project like that, you have to recreate wetlands and swales so that, that, that process, that natural process still happens. And not only for pollution, but also for like water ebb and flow. You know, I think we talked about this like a hundred episodes ago, that the more that you pave places, the water doesn't soak into any asphalt or concrete. So you have to kind of like direct where all that goes, or you have to, we've had wonderful examples right here in Lakewood. We, uh, right across the street from us, they tore down um, a, a church and school and put in a CVS, but they didn't just pave it all over they removed all the things about the church and the school so that as many things as possible the beautiful stained glass there was a lot of reuse of materials asphalt is the most recycled thing on the planet that I, I, I kind of I read that and I was like, that makes sense. Not plastic, not all the things you put in your bins down by the street. But every time they tear up a road, they don't take that asphalt and dump it in the ocean. They kind of like regrind it, remelt it, and it becomes the, the perfectly fine, usable asphalt yeah. for the next set of roads. So they not only put in the, the stuff for the parking lot, but they put in swales, you know, water water collection and plants growing around these things. And so it's actually very pretty. It doesn't smell like a swamp. It's got the right mix of pollution removing and pollinating and all that kind of stuff they know enough about it now that like and and it's kind of funny we have a mcdonald's nearby that they they did it so that their their biggest business nowadays is their drive-through more even than their sit down and have dinner at a mcdonald's but instead of it just being all like concrete they made it so that it's a nice winding concrete thing that takes you through the drive-through and all around it are beautiful plants and cattails and useful stuff so whatever their lot size was they dedicated like 30 percent to the restaurant and 70 percent to if not beautifying at least not wrecking the environment around it where you're going to have runoff and you're going to have uh, i don't know I, they, they i think like liquid is a really good place for they've got things in in place that say you can't do this kind of change without being aware of the environmental impact you have to file those statements and this is another one of those things that i see poo-pooed by various truly ignorant people that they make fun of environmental impact statements i don't care about the snail darter well what you should care about is species loss matters but even more your clean air and your clean water and your the flow of things and the way that you if you put in a road and cut off what used to be a migration path for creatures you might as well just kill them and so i I, i've seen wonderful things i think we talked about this a while back in canada was the first place that i saw but now i see the many places in the united states they have a super highway a three lane on each side, where there's no way animals can make it over without running into the barrier in the middle and so you see death 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 then instead they built that overpass and not just concrete, but they made it part of the forest. Grass. It's got dirt on it and all the right things so that these animals feel secure. And now they don't have r- just record road deaths for people trying to beat 60 mile an hour cars.
0: And I know American thinking, (laughs) it's like, well, I don't want my taxes to spend for that. That's stupid. Smash your car into it. You now owe how much money to fix your car? Well, gee, it would have been cheaper to pay the taxes than to to fix my car now. You know, we're so reactive in the wrong way most of the time. I've said that, you know, our our reaction is always the exact opposite in 180 degree extreme, you know?
1: And and it's kind of I know this is a terrible thing to say, so much of how we treat the natural natural world seems to be, is it cuddly or is it icky? You know what I mean. <laughs> yes. Not everything has to be a kitten in order for it to be a beautiful creature and useful to the environment. And, you know what I mean. Awesome. Are for example they look a little spooky with the big eyes and but they're they are they eat all the mosquitoes they ticks. you know what eat I mean? They, 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 they ticks they and even like all the insects. I used to Remember, I, I grew up where we used to have the trucks come by spraying mosquito stuff everywhere, which I'm pretty sure was not good for the kids as well. But at the time, we didn't know enough about Agent Orange and DDT and whatever else. It's gotten safer, I think, over the years. But now they've, they've actually done so much better about, you don't need to, all, again, the laws of unintended consequences. When you find out that, hey, that pollution, no, that insecticide that you were using, pesticide to make sure your crops were good. Well, man, it killed off everything. It really was like Agent Orange, where besides your wheat, it defoliated everything else. Roundup is one of those terrible things. There's ongoing court cases and scientific proof that says it's not always evil, but absolutely by dose, it can be devastatingly bad. And people just, they they don't read the label. They get out there with a spritz can and they're going, I'm going to click. Oh, my God. Like, and then they wonder why all their roses died, all the butterflies that used to come to those roses died. Or, or it's worse, that it's that's one of my pet peeves is these oh. people with their these
0: postage stamp lawns, you know, I, I, I have a lot of lawn, so I'm a little right. biased. Yeah. Um, but these postage stamp lawns, and, and they have a little bit growing up around their cement driveway. So they have to get the round up and spray it to kill off those weeds. It's like, Folks, it's going into the freaking water supply. You drink that then. Oh, but we've got filters in this, but it's overwhelming. We can't get it all out. (laughs) And we take so much medicine when we pee.